space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek Live. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And joining us and let, uh, letting us exploit his command of the communication airwaves is Dr. Squee. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Yeah, we're not too bad. We've got yeah, brand, bad. brand new Star Trek to talk about, which, to be fair, we've had brand new Star Trek to talk about for the last 10 weeks, but this is like... You know, it's different, isn't it? I mean, we, we love his animation, but it is well, different. Well, new Star Trek. Yeah, We've it's... had 10 weeks of Lower Decks. That's all tap now. Yeah. Now we need to use stuff. Yeah, that's it. Lower so... Lower Decks was wonderful, but look, live action break, let's face it. Still, yeah. Just... That's the... It's the bread and butter, isn't it, of Star Trek. The, the animated's... Well, I was going to say the animated's always been good, but some of the animated series were questionable... But, um, yeah, so we're here to talk about the first episode of Season 3, which it feels like we've been waiting for for a very, very, very long time. I mean, when did... Yeah, well, we all know it was delayed due to COVID, don't yeah, we? Yeah, so... absolutely. But, um, it, yeah, it seems... I think this is the thing, isn't it? With, with streaming shows, you don't have that September to May thing that network television has. And so they kind of come out when they're ready which is, is great you know because we, we get them when they're ready and we get them when they've done all the post-production work and they're not rushed and they don't have to make 26 episodes a season and it all gets padded out and all this business but it does mean they're it's not a making bit... an episode every two weeks and yeah it, it so it, it but it doesn't it feels a bit more haphazard when we actually get it but at least we've got it now it feels like we've been waiting on this episode for the longest time also, it's kind of one of those things whereby the wonderful thing about streaming is, I mean, not so much with Discovery because it is episodic per week, but uh, it feels like you're waiting for longer because, like, so often with streaming, they just dump them all in one pile. Yeah, that's it. Like, okay, it's still over 10 weeks, but still, it's kind of like not a, a very long series with uh, uh, with Discovery, but it's, uh, sorry, 10, 13 weeks? Hasn't 13 been is what we're, we're allegedly getting 13 this year, but then we were meant to get 13 last year, but we ended up with 14, but I think... To be honest with you, apparently uh, it was delayed because Burnham, you know, uh, with the weepy, the uh, Angel te- Red Angel technology, got a bit delayed in the slipstream, so she was a few months delayed leaving the slipstream. I can believe that. She could have warned us about 2020, though, if she was doing a lot of jumping around in time, but I suppose... Uh, look, I did I did call Dr. Bashir to task on this. You he did? said they come up with a cure, just unfortunately we won't get it for another 300 years. Look, all I'm saying is, if you want a full report as given by Alexander Siddig, uh, who played Dr. Bashir, of course, himself. Where... Oh, is that where I was going to ask you where we could hear an excellent interview with Alexander Siddig in the next week, but um, there we, there's your answer. Was that a great interview, was that? It was, actually, yeah. It was really, really I did good. Watch during Squeefest. And it's still, I believe it's still available to stream on the um, Dr. Squeeze Show Facebook group, is it not? 
I believe so. If you go to the uh, Facebook page for the Dog the Squee Show, go about four hours into the uh, first of three streams of Squeefest. So it's Squeefest one, and uh, it's about three or four hours in. Um, but he's at the beginning of an hour, so it's nice and easy. To, uh, and yeah, you have a video of me talking to him for an hour, or you can just listen to him in podcast form, which I know some people prefer to do when they're and about, you know, walking their dog or whatever. So um, yeah. Video or audio is available as of Friday. Though, as you as you rightly say, the apparently Starfleet is working on it, but um, maybe it'll take longer to get to us now as we're going to discover in this episode Starfleet isn't as well connected as it once was. So, controversial times. well, I know that you've got some controversial opinions on this because I got a message from you at about half eleven one night just saying, I need to come on the show, I've just seen it. <laughs> Well, I've not talked to anyone about this episode yet, so... No, it's this, this is the thing. We don't, me and Elliot, don't message each other about the episodes before we actually record, so we, yeah, we about, don't... The most that we might do is um, it's dropped on Netflix. It's available at this time. Yeah, but we... Yeah, <laughs> and we... I'm not sure exactly what time it dropped. It wasn't on at 8 a.m., and it was by 8.50 a.m., so I waited sometime till... in that 50-minute window, it dropped on Netflix. I waited until um, after work on Friday. I was like, I'm going to save it. I'm going to get my, my work day done and then watch it. But, um, yeah. I'd already seen it, <laughs> so I, I watched it on the CBS broadcast. Right. So you'll have, seen, you'll have seen a little trailer for episode two then, won't you? But anyway, we'll get on to that. Yeah. So the episode in question then, season three, episode one of Discovery, and this is called... See, we're getting controversy before we even get past the episode title now, because I've seen it as That Hope Is You, but also as That Hope Is You Part 1, but then next week's episode is not called That Hope Is You Part 2. So I don't know whether originally it was meant to be a two-parter, but then they've changed the second half's title... But then do we really have two parters in a serialised show anyway? I don't or know. Maybe we're gonna get, or maybe they're going to throw us a curveball and we'll get part two in a few episodes. Well, they are doing... There is an episode called Unification 3 this season. Oh. So okay. I, I don't know where that is. Kind of like Metallica, how they have the Unforgiven. Every couple of <laughs> albums, there's another Unforgiven song. I, I think it's probably going to be like a different title in brackets part two or slash part two yeah so they, they, they've done a compu- confusing merge because yeah on the on um netflix it does say part one which i thought oh are they going to go with the same episode name but not no it's weird i mean and this is why we need episode titles on screen like we used to have in the good old days um, and we had the last 10 weeks on lower decks we did so there wouldn't be all this controversy of us trying to find out off Wikipedia and everything like that what it's actually called. That Hope Is You, then, part one or not part one. This is got a bunch of writers. We've got Michelle Paradise and Alex Kurtzman, who are obviously the showrunners. And then uh, Jenny Lumet, who I don't think has done any previous work on Star Trek, but a bit of a checkered sort of um, discography, not discography, filmography, in fact. And she did something called Rachel Getting Married, which is a highly critically acclaimed film and won awards and all this business. And also co-wrote The Mummy, the Tom Cruise one, with Alex Kurtzman. So, hmm, bit of a... Obviously, he knows Alex Kurtzman professionally. Must have, must have yeah. like, a, a working relationship with him. I didn't think that Mummy film was as bad as uh, all the press it got, but it wasn't great. But anyway, there are writers for it the episode. Great, but it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. 
I mean, let's just say the trailer did not do its job in making me want to see it, and actually, I didn't. No, I did. We we went to see it, and I was like, eh, eh, it's all right. And it was it was okay. It, it wasn't a great movie. It wasn't a bad movie. No, it was, just, it was okay. It filled in. Well, a couple of hours for me one night. To say we've got two of the writers of The Mummy writing this episode, I think we can say this episode's better than The Mummy. And yeah. it's directed by Olatunde Osunsami, which I apologise if I got the pronunciation off on that one. But he's pretty much becoming our go-to director for big Discovery episodes now. In season one, he directed one of the earlier ones, but then he also did uh, the episode that wrapped up the Mirror Universe arc, where they had the big battle with the the Mirror Charon ship and all that business. So pretty much that was the season finale. I know there were two episodes after, but that was that was your season finale, really. And he also did the two-part finale of season two. And from Short Treks, he did Calypso. Uh, and now he's doing this opening episode. So he seems to be the go-to guy for the big Discovery moments and also has delivered some of the best Discovery moments so far. So I think a good choice for your opening episode, though obviously Jonathan Frakes is lurking in the wings, ready to pounce. Yeah, do we know, has Jonathan Frakes directed any this season? Yeah, I think he's down for at least three from what we know so far, so... And and I just like to add, as you know, the state of Hollywood these days. When we say he's ready to pounce, he is completely innocently ready to yep. pounce into the director's chair and direct a quality episode of Star Trek. Yes, of Nothing. course. Yeah. See, this is why you're more experienced with this live stuff because you know you know when to to not make allegations against famous actors. <laughs> Can I just ask, Calypso? Was that the one where they had the um, ship that had the Avatar? Uh, yes, the natural's the one where discovery had been waiting a thousand years in a nebula through That's a That's the one which we still don't know how it's all going to fit in. We thought, yeah. we thought this oh, was going to be his answer, that. but um, it appears yeah, not. I think it might fit in somewhere <laughs> this season or a time between this season and season four. We shall see. I mean, as long as it ties in. Retrack that much in advance, but it could be. It could be. Uh, well, Kurtzman has said that the seven seasons of Discovery plans. So... Yeah, apparently they've got it planned till twenty twenty seven. Now uh, is yeah. what they're saying. Even though obviously, you know, Alex yeah. Kurtzman clearly has been fired, and all of his shows are failures. And um... well, he's been fired. <laughs> I don't know how many times from Star Trek. Oh, yeah. And Discovery's super, super, super cancelled now. So, anyway. Uh, well, that <laughs> might have changed. Yeah, go on. Give, it, give us your Star Trek news then, Elliot, before well, we... One sec, one sec, one sec. Yeah, well, it was an, it's been announced officially this weekend that Discovery has been renewed for season four. There we go. Which we've been saying for a while. And the thing is, like, everyone's reporting it as Discovery is renewed for season four. Uh, but the actual news is that they're starting filming early next month. So, really, yeah. it was renewed a long time ago because you don't just go, right, lads, yeah. you're renewed. Off you go. I want you in the studio next yeah. week. You know, so. But it, it's like, I think that we've all known with a lot of clues that have been out there, it was renewed. Yeah, I mean... But it's now out there in an official capacity. Much like... Much... Uh, you might have to edit this one, Squee, if we're, we're avoiding litigation, but... My own video! What can I... <laughs> <laughs> I think Discovery's... Can I edit um, you in real time? Of course you can. 
Um, Discovery's season four renewal, much like John Travolta's sexuality was an open secret in Hollywood, I think. So we've lost the Scientologist listeners. Never mind. <laughs> I think I'm well, we definitely have, because we've already had a go at the mummy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we've already lost the Scientologists when we, yeah, we dissed a Tom Cruise film. Um, okay, so let's get into the episode. Well, what, 15 minutes in and we've not talked about it. Okay. So we start off then, and we've got a parrot alarm clock, which is pretty cool. I'm up for that. And now, I was thinking about this. Oh, was it not a parrot? Was it a... Uh, the budgie's, the budgie's budgie. there all the time, cheaping, cheaping away <laughs> while he's asleep. Now, personally, I need a bit of background noise to sleep, so I fall asleep with TV on. But I imagine most, most people would find that quite annoying, having a budgie chirping by the ear all night. I don't think it chirps all night, does it? I think it starts... Yeah, I got the impression that it chirped, chirped as if it was there all the time. Well, that when an alarm went off and he, and he put his hand through it and it vanished and turned the, off. I thought, because if it chirped all night, it wouldn't wake you up by chirping because you'd be attuned to it, wouldn't you? I don't know. Well, there was some music that went off to actually wake him up, wasn't there? I thought that music was, was for our benefit. I didn't think that oh, was... I, I thought the impression that was the alarm clock. Maybe it was the alarm clock. I, don't, I thought the the budgie was the the alarm clock, but yeah, that's the impression I got as well. But um, right. yeah. I, either way, I thought it was more like it was that was the clock, and then at eight a.m. it's some music went off, and he put his arm through the budgie, and it vanished. I'm gonna and say, I thought, well, and I must admit, I thought, well, that's a bit strange. What's the point of a hologram going off and chirping all night while you're asleep? That would be, well, like you say, maybe it's, uh, you could have it for background noise, like Wayne Rooney listens to a vacuum cleaner, doesn't he, or something, but... Um... By the way, we are, um, as we're broadcasting live, if you're watching this, please do make comments and join in the chat. <laughs> uh, if nothing else, join us in, in um, sorry, in Budgie Gate, which um... is the new... <laughs> I'm going to say all the comments will say, come on, lads, you're 20 minutes in and you've only talked about a budgie. <laughs> like, have you actually seen this episode or just the first five minutes? What's the budgie bit? That was it. We were done. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Star Trek budgie. Um, yes, so anyway, regardless of how the mechanics of the actual budgie work, uh, we get this sort of montage of the guy working up, getting his teeth done, which I quite like that. I'd be up for something where you just sort of smile at it and it does your teeth. But um... I, quite, I liked how, the, how he is it's obviously in one room, so there's, I don't, like, see later on that the station's not in a great condition, but yeah. this one room's in nice state. And I like how his bed disappears and then the desk and the chairs come into place. And Yeah, yeah. It's, it's... I thought that was quite cool. And it seems to be technology that they've appropriated from Krypton as it appears in Man of Steel. It's that, it's them, you remember them things you used to get at Christmas where it was like a load of, it looked like a load of pins and you stuck your hand yeah. in it and it made the impression. And it looks like all of the technology in this is sort of based on that. Everything sort of goes blah, 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 and then... If you're yeah. going to take something from Man of Steel, that's about the only bit which wouldn't, you know, annoy me. So that's fine. Yeah, no, if you're going to nick from Man of Steel... Well, you, you shouldn't, really. There's not a lot of point. But um, fair point. <laughs> I'd, I'd take your meaning, yeah. Um, now, a few people have said that 
this is very much like the beginning of Battlestar Galactica where you've got the guy who has to go to a station and in Battlestar Galactica it's he has to go once every 50 years to see the Cylons and everything. No, this and, is one guy who's posted at this station yeah, all the time. I agree. I, I think this reminds me more of um, season two of Lost where you started with... Uh, spoilers for Lost, everybody. Uh, where you start with Desmond in the, the inside the hatch and he's got this it. little routine. Oh, sorry, Elliot, I've spoiled the start of season season two. Yeah, um, I'm halfway through season one. I but, know I'm a bit behind everyone else. Yeah, it's... Spoilers, yeah, James. I mean, a bit quick on that, aren't you? I think so, yeah. I mean, we won't get on to the ending of Lost, but... Um, so oh God, please don't. It, it's a guy basically it's very similar it's a guy who's got a routine and he's in this setting and you don't realize where this setting is as relates to the broader thing until much later in the story so i thought there was yeah. a a bit of a correlation there but um that time i watched it i actually because there was so much going on this episode <laughs> and so much different i'd actually forgotten about him when i watched it back the second time i was going oh, of course he was right there at the beginning like it was lovely I think this is one which, to me, certainly needs you twice to really get the richness of it and to really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I said this to you, Squee, when we were messaging yeah. about it, and I think probably partially because we do a podcast on it, so when I go into a new episode of Star Trek now, I'm, like, trying to laser focus and take everything in and thinking, you know, what's going on here and what am I going to say about this and blah, 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 blah. And I need to just stop that and start just actually watching it to enjoy it the first time. But um, it does. For me, though, I mean, I, admit, I watch it to enjoy it the first time. I don't worry. I try. About it. I, like, I'll watch, I've watched this, I think, five, six times. I yeah. think I usually watch it and kind of enjoy it the first time. But, like, I mean, I sometimes it's just like I will just watch it and the stuff which sticks with me is what we'll talk about when I kind of come on to this. But, like, this time I must admit. Uh, we were saying about comparison, just quickly, for me, the whole kind of story of it really reminded me of uh, something which I, m I mentioned when I was messaging you was Andromeda, which uh, was all about, like, the long night. And the idea was, like, it was an eve of a great battle, uh, the their version of the Federation, because this was written by Gene Roddenberry. You could definitely see where it was. Yeah, so you, you still, like, the whole idea is, like, the... Uh, like it's a bit different in the fact that he knows that the um, their version of the Federation is getting uh, sold out by the Nietzsche, which is a group within the, their Federation. And then he ends up going into a black hole, waking up as a result of that, of then, you know, uh, happen throughout the universe. The Federation he knows doesn't exist, and it's just like him on his own trying to rebuild it. And that's very much the feeling I got from this. But, um, I mean, I must admit, when I first watched this one, to begin with, it was so different from Star Trek Usual that it kind of, like, I was... I, I just couldn't tune into it. I really did enjoy the first time. I watched it back though, and I just loved it. I kind of, I, th I think you've got to remember when watching this one, Discovery is a um, a marathon, not a sprint. Like, and you're so used to hour-long episodic Star Trek that kind of, if you watch it with that guys, you're not going to enjoy this one. You have to see it a long game because we'll get into it like as we go into the episode. But I never want to feel like Star Trek's missing from Star Trek. I don't want to feel like the Federation's missing, which obviously it is, but I think they're building towards something, especially with stuff we find out as the episode goes on. Yeah, I mean, I I think for me, um, part of what you've said there is a positive to it because obviously, you know, we've all watched a lot of Star Trek and we've been watching Star Trek for years and years and years. And the last time I had this sense of, 
oh my god, I'm, I'm absorbing this world and it's all new to me, was the first time I watched TOS. You know, it was every time I watched it, I was hungry to get little bits more information and to build up the picture of this universe. And then everything since then, because it's been set in quite a natural extension of that universe... It, it, you know, it's been enjoyable meeting new characters and seeing new situations, but I've not had that feeling of I need to dig into the world building of it and be told what this universe is. And I got that from this episode for the first time in years and years, because like you said, this is so far removed now from what we've had that well, it is all new again. Really there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally appreciate it. I guess... It's maybe the timing of this, if I'm honest, it is the timing of this which directly kind of relates to the intensity of my feelings about it because for me, shows about like hope and especially Star Trek and Doctor Who for me, like uh, there are certain things I go to for comfort from them yeah. and like the familiarity for the Federation and the idea that the Federation never dies, it just keeps on going. It's a continuation, not a rebuilding. Mm. Like when I heard the Federation, at least for the moment, isn't, there as we know we don't know like there's some stuff still to find out but that feeling really bummed me out like i just think it's the time that we're just at such a kind of um mentally fragile time in like uh, yeah mankind. we've got the kind of like coronavirus we've got everything thing with the election America, uh we've got loads of other stuff and just i need to to feel kind of that comfort from my tv so when i first watched this i was like oh oh no, we haven't got like the Federation. Yeah. Well, just that that hit me really hard. And and again, it's fine. It's a longer story. I know really we're gonna I, I think we're gonna find out more of the Federations out there. We're just cut up from it. Um but I just I don't wanna know that the Federation's gone bye bye right now. It's just a bad time to hear that from me. No, I know what you mean. I mean and um of it does make you wonder actually a bit sort of behind the scenes. If this season had have been planned out now, would they have told this story, or would they, you know, would they have been sensitive to the times? Gone, okay, we can't really drop that on everybody at the moment. I don't know, yeah. uh, but I think I one one of the things they've repeatedly emphasised is that this is going to be hopeful and it is going to be optimistic, and I do think you see shades of that even later in this episode. Yeah, I think like I think this whole season is going to be very much the whole of Andromeda squashed into a season sort yeah. of bringing the Federation back together. I think so and I think like I said this or at least by the end of it we'll have a good core of bringing the Federation back together. Yeah, I mean, I said a lot when we were covering Season 2. One of the things that kind of bugged me in Season 2 was at the end of Season 1 we'd done this whole thing of the Spore Drive is banned uh, we're not going to use it again it's dodgy, it does this, it does that, it does the other dun dun dun, forget about the Spore Drive and then they brought it back in Season 2 and it was like well, wait a minute, why why did we do all these gymnastics to get rid of it and then we're bringing it and back just use it all and time. something I kept saying on our episodes about Season 2 was that there's a reason for this and they've got a plan for this and then as soon as they said we're off into the future it was like right that's why they've kept the small drive as an ongoing concern in the show because they clearly want to do something with it when that ship gets to the future so um yeah so we get the guy and he's got the old lockbox and everything like that uh, and then obviously we we meet this new character book played by david ajala and 
he seems great. I really like that actor. I think he's got a great presence. He seems to have a very sort of natural, easy charisma to him. I think he's going to be a really interesting character and a really interesting counterpoint for Michael. I had some some things about him. That, I mean, I did his performance wonderful, and uh, how he performs what's written is great. My only thing is, like, one thing is the amount that Burnham wants to tell him his tell him her name, yeah. and the amount he goes, even Gus, he goes, what you, you know, who are you anyway? I don't want to know. Like he says about five times. I think the rank could have been a bit sharper, and the kind of change from him being this kind of scavenger guy to. The ecological stuff, I, I think that could have been a bit smoother handled, like a bit more kind of through line of how it's from one or the other. That's my only thoughts. But I thought it was wonderful and it was... I think it's one of them. It's kind of a... It's a bait and switch with the audience, isn't it? We're meant to think that he is this sort of scoundrel character. And then the reveal is, no, he's actually a conservationist. And it kind of works when you watch the episode back again because um, at the start when he's talking to... Uh, the alien that's chasing him, who I can't remember his real name, we'll call him Greedo, uh, just because he reminds me of Greedo. And he says, like, you know, it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to itself. And obviously, when you know where it's going, you get that, you understand yeah. where that line's coming well, from. I like, like, this whole chase scene at the start, the annoying thing is, this is like, before we get the credits... And this is what the doctors are like a teaser at New York Comic Con Live. Why would you do that? Yeah, I've never understood that. They, the, they went through a thing. I know it's didn't... nice that they release a little bit of a spoiler and stuff, but why would you release your whole scene before the credits? Yeah. A week early? I don't understand it... it. They used to do it with films as well. They'd be like come and see the first eight minutes of the new Batman film. I went, no, I'll I'll go watch yeah. the whole 120 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and I'd rather they do it, if they're going to do that, just at least pick a scene which looks cool but doesn't really relate to the overall story. So something yeah. that yeah. gives you an idea of the style. Like, you can do it if you carefully pick a scene, but just, yeah, it's... Because um... then you end up watching it going, I've seen this, I've seen this. Right, oh, yeah. here, here's a bit I haven't seen. Kind of like when you used to get... Literally the, the whole start of it. <laughs> kind of like when you used to get them demos of computer games and, like, you'd play level one and then you'd get the full game and you'd have to play level one again and you're like, I've already played level one. And then you yeah. keep dying on level one. You're like, but I did this on the demo. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, childhood trauma coming back. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, I'd, I'd take your point. Uh, they're trying to misdirect us a little bit as to... Yeah. Who and what he I, is. I, I applaud that, but I just, I like for the rhyme, to, for it to make sense as him as a character, it, it doesn't make that much sense why he's totally like that and then totally like that. Like, it, they could have just smoothed it a bit more for character reasons. Yeah, I they could have done. There is a, a very quick shift, and as well in how Michael relates to him a little bit later on in yeah. the episode. And like, he, he doesn't ask many questions as well, because he doesn't ask, like, oh, how did you come from the future? Like, where are you from? She just goes, I came from the past to create a future, and he just goes, "Oh, cheers! No further questions." Yeah, thanks. Right yeah, up. and uh, with I've been the as well, I've been mistrustful of you so far, but now you've saved you saved the world. I'll just take that at face value. Yeah, the, I just think there's a few little edges. The I mean, obviously, it's done for economy of the drama, but um, like in the scene with the guy on the space station, right at the end, like she says, "My name's Commander Michael Burnham. This is my serial number. I'm from the past," and he goes. 
Oh, okay, well, you put my flag up for me. And he's like, hang on, check them credentials, son. Yeah. I want, like, three forms of ID here, like passport, <laughs> driver's license. I want three bills that have gone to your home. She has a badge. She can just my brevity by having, like, um, sorry, how do you mean you come from the past? And then it pans up from her talking to him, and then, you know, yeah. he sees the explanation we don't. And then in the office, all you have to go is, like, Burnham, wait a minute, do, 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 do. From the Discovery, which this well, that explains everything. Ah, but they wouldn't be able to do that because the Discovery and everything to do with it was classified at the end. So, ironically... Well, some blarney where well, it's like, I was told to expect someone. You know, the, the, uh, oh, yeah, I was either a crazy old man or a kid and turn up <laughs> and had asked me about the Federation. <laughs> he pulls out That's a gun. Um, but um, yeah, so but yeah, if he had have checked her up, he'd have gone. Nope, there is no evidence of a Michael yeah. Burnham ever existing out yeah. of the airlock with you. So it's quite handy, really. That he didn't. Um, yeah. 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 So what happens? Yeah. So they get down. She gets down to the planet. She does the scan, and this is the bit we saw in all the trailers and everything with, uh, you know, Michael being ecstatic and everything. And yeah, you, she gets life signs, which is. Like, I spoke about this uh, a couple of episodes ago, what we were expecting. And she's really happy because there's life signs. Yeah. Because Control hasn't wiped out all life. Which is good. So that's nice. Well done. Achie- season two, achievement yep. complete. Well done. She's having a bit of a bad day, though, isn't she? Because you'd think you'd want five minutes to relax after that, but she gets kind of thrown into this... Um... This new adventure, more or less, straight away. Well, she does go to find this new adventure, doesn't she? True. She hasn't yeah. actually crash landed at the same place as him. She's had to go. No, she. Of hills and all that. Yeah, I wonder if she thought when she first saw like um, a ship that had come down and everything that whether she thought oh, maybe that's Discovery that's followed me, and so she's following it to yeah. that. And then, of course, it's not. It's book, and they get into a bit of a fight. And so I thought that was quite cool. So I'm like, Michael's going to absolutely bray him with the Vulcan stuff, you know. Vulcan Kung Fu. Yeah, I thought he's in serious trouble here. And she does get the better of him, to be fair. I, I did think the fighting style was really wonderful in the way she said it's like, look, I'm not fighting you. You were fighting me. And she does totally the um, judo thing of using their strength against him. It was wonderfully, that was wonderfully Star Trek in a martial art kind of yeah, it was, and it's, it's a call back to that weird episode where they were in Sarek's mind and it's all, um, yeah, they're doing all the Vulcan martial arts and everything, so that were pretty cool. And um, we find out they're not on Terralysium, so that all went wrong. That was a. Uh, so she's not arrived where she wanted to arrive. No, it was a pretty elaborate well, setup to, yeah, <laughs> to get Terralysium. So I, I get the impression that this time suit isn't as accurate as what they think it is. Because she was off to send a signal as soon as she got there to let the Enterprise or Pike know at the end of season two mm. that she'd arrive safely. And they don't see that signal until after the Enterprise is being repaired. True. So we're talking about six months later about the signal, which is yeah. what she sends off when she arrives. So it isn't very precise at its timings and stuff. No, and but we have. It does look like we've seen the last of the Red Angel suit now. She sends it up to send yeah, the last signal and destroy itself. So presumably we we're putting a bookend on that, and we're probably not going to revisit yeah, the Red Angel again. I, I, I guess that if they wanted to, 
um, if they could get hold of another time crystal, they could build another on Discovery because they have uh, all the bands and they, the... and they did 3D print it, didn't they? That's true, but they are illegal now, as we find out from Book shortly, so... Yeah, yeah. It's when he says that as well. He, he goes, um, but time travel's illegal. It's like, she's from the past. You can't expect them to enforce the world <laughs> yeah. from the time they come from. Yeah, she... what, it says, what it says is that uh, all the technology for time travel has been destroyed. And... We've just done quite a lengthy <laughs> uh, stretch on time travel in Star Trek. And a lot of the time, you don't need this uh, complicated uh, technology that they had from the Temporal Cold War with the transporters and the little ships that are bigger on the inside that can travel through time that were like, that bear absolutely no resemblance to any other IPs out there. No, this is true. You, know, you can fly towards the sun. Yep. You can open the knob. You can beam through things that uh, ion storms, and they can take you to other universes, never mind just time travelling. Yeah. But yeah, yeah there's we all know the only way to stop a bad guy with a time travel device is having a good guy with a time travel device. Yeah. But that's illegal now, so we're not allowed. But. <laughs> I yeah, thinking, but he didn't call it the temporal cold war, did he? He said the the temporal wars, but but that makes sense because it it's only a cold war when it's in an era that it's not native to, because obviously it's kind of secretive if you're going into another time. Whereas no, if it's... we called like we called it the cold war with Russia, didn't we? While that yeah, was going on, that was called because it was meant to be a secret, which obviously it wasn't. But um, well, it wasn't that much of a secret because everyone knew about well, it. Well, yeah, exactly. But I, I think I think we can give there them was a, a bit of big wall across Germany that <laughs> <laughs> everyone could see. It was a bit I of a giveaway. I, I'm wondering if the temporal cold war. Uh, Sorry, the Temporal Cold War became... I think Temporal is just the way he pronounced it. I think the Temporal Cold War became the Temporal War. I think it might have been that there was a escalation. I think they're probably connected, but... Yeah, yeah, I think the Temporal War is what we've known as the Temporal Cold Wars, but because previously we were looking at it from a different era to that in which it was taking place... We did actually, like, as all our regular listeners will know, we did cover the whole Temporal Cold War. Oh, yes, we did. And to be fair, when he says here, all the technology which is destroyed afterwards is a better ending than what we got in Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That is... Do you think, though, is it, did he say, I think he might have said the temporal cold, the temporal wars, plural. Yes, I think so he did. possible the Cold War and another war, yeah. what they refer to as the temporal wars. It could temporal well wars. be. And the, the timeline matches up that this takes place after Daniels' time and everything like that. So yeah. well done there. Well done for the, they've acknowledged it. They've set it after that, so it all works. It all fits nicely, and it's a good. Directly do it, and And they're open to do whatever they want because they're not interfering with any other. Yeah, and it's a good way as well because now that they know they've been successful and control hasn't destroyed the universe, there's nothing to stop them going. Okay, well we're going to go back in time now and go back to our own time, and we can see our families again. But the sphere data is safe in the future, but except now they can go, well, no, you can't because that's illegal. So they can, potentially they can still keep them here. So 
But like you said, there's nothing to stop them going, oh, well, we'll we'll just go do a slingshot around the sun, except we don't discover that until 10 years' time in the original series. Oh, okay, it can make your head explode, all of this stuff. <laughs> um, but and another one is, he says about the Gorn um, book, says, oh, well, the Gorn wiped out a load of subspace. And uh, two white years of subspace. And Michael says the Gorn did what? And it, Michael's question really should be the who did what? Because Michael shouldn't know who the Gorn are because um, Kirk's not encountered them yet. I don't know because we had the Gorn in Enterprise, didn't we? Ah, we did, yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Wasn't there a, uh, a Gorn skull in... Yeah, Lorca had one. But then Lorca probably got it from the Mirror Universe because he's a bit of a shifty biscuit. Um, I, I wonder if she found out, but because um, Discovery is now purged from the timeline, she found out, but then the universe doesn't find that's out. What, that's what I'm headcanoning, because I know mm. some people have been like, oh, Kurtzman's done it again, he doesn't care about the backstory. Uh, and it's like, no, come on, just let it go, just a one-off reference to the gun. And also, it, it, her saying the Gorn did what doesn't mean she intimately knows who the Gorn are. She, yeah. She's just asking him, really, what did you just say? Um, and if, you, if you're part of the Star, Star Fleet, if you're part of Star Fleet, then surely you are uh, encountering new species all the time. So it might not be that unusual for you to hear one. You haven't yeah, heard of exactly. Sorry, they did what? You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. I'm good with it. I don't think it, it, it needs to ruin our enjoyment of the episode. Um, the burn, then. We find out about the burn. So the dilithium crystals one day have just blown up, by the sound of it. Yeah. When I was talking about the burn, I thought they just needed some cream, but then I realised it was something more serious. Yeah, it was cream. like sick burn. Yeah, someone, that... someone said, eh, the Federation is crap. And they go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Sick burn, man. Yeah, I, like there's obviously something that's happened here to make all the dilithium do this. Because I've always had the impression dilithium's pretty stable. Yeah. Unless you expose it to a load of antimatter, and to have antimatter appear all over the galaxy at once is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, are we going to get more on this? I don't want this to... Be, I want the story of this season to be getting the Federation back. I don't want the story of this season to be there's another enormous threat that's going to wipe out all of the universe. I feel like we've kind of done that recently in Trek, so I wouldn't mind a season off from that. I, I, I'd I still like it answering, though, how yes. it happened. Yeah, yeah. Because we've, like, we've also got to look at... Does that mean Poe's planet's gone? Queen Poe? Because her planet was uh, like potentially, yeah. Because I mean, obviously, it's not going to be like there is a reason why it happened. Like, like you say, Elliot, uh, uh, like dilithium doesn't just suddenly just explode on mass and like everywhere in the universe. That's something happening specific. Maybe it might be that it ties in. I wonder if what we're going to get is them finding out more and more about that as they uh, <laughs> find more on the Federation. And maybe there's a crisis point where they realise that something to do with them travelling through time caused it. Uh, maybe, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Maybe how like how they she separated from the Discovery crew. Maybe what happened with that. Maybe that somehow caused no, it. And I wouldn't think it could be related to like with the Discovery crew or go to another time to event it. Well, we we had all the theories before this episode that the burn was off to be related to the Voyager episode. The Omega particle. The Omega particle. Mm. And what the Gorn have done sounds very much like blowing up an Omega particle. Yeah, it does. And I wonder if it's if that the Gorn blew away too 
uh, light years of subspace destroyed. It's almost, it's almost a throwaway comment here, and I wonder if it's ought to be one of those that they're going to come back to later on. Maybe. I mean, it's almost like, um, it's kind of like a dad joke, like, you know, the Gorn have wiped out this area of subspace, so it's like, oh, did you hear what happened to Sector 8397? No, what happened to uh, Sector 8397? It's gone. Yeah. So, you know, that... I imagine I imagine that does the rounds in the Federation bars. Like, have you heard that joke about the garden? Like, piss Dude, too soon. <laughs> yeah, too soon, too soon. Don't make jokes about the lizard men blowing I, I things up. Generally, for me though, it depends on what we're doing here. So, if we're doing a one series arc in this timeline, and it's going to be one series arc of them starting to, to rebuild the Federation, but then finding out there's more that happened here and they can prevent it, maybe like mm-hmm. maybe that's played into it. If they're more going for the future of Discovery, is going to be just them rebuilding the Federation in this future time, then that changes what they're going to do with these uh, the burn and everything like that. Yeah, I, I get the feeling we are going to find out more about the, we're definitely going to find out more about the burn. And again, it depends on what they're doing. If they are planning us to stay in the future, then maybe it has to be a long burn, if you will. Huh? Yeah, uh, good one. If, if, it, if it's going to relate to something at the end of the series, I think that comes into it more and more. And I, I think they discover like episode eight. So I think there's going to be. Um, either a reveal with that or just gonna yeah or it's gonna just be a long line. I'd like it if we don't go I think if we're gonna do this story of rebuilding the Federation and everything in this post burn world I don't then I want us to commit to it if we're doing that let's do it let's not go back and undo it and all of this business rebuilding the Federation is you've also got to have a way of the Federation being able to get everywhere and yeah. it's handy that so we've got a small drive. Or, or he mentioned another uh, mineral, didn't he, that it enabled is, yeah. him to do slipstream, which incidentally is how they got around in uh, Andromeda to fix their federation. <laughs> See, this is the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, again, it's kind of like um, if it's repairable, the federation, there's something that's going to be preventable in the past, and that, that's where Discovery goes at the end of this series. I would not be surprised if it's that. Or if they're going to... Like, I just don't know if... I feel like we've heard the story before where, like, um, you rebuild a, a lost federation and stuff. Mm. Um, and the other thing is, I don't mind... Like, I don't mind which way they go. One thing I do want, though, one thing I felt I was lacking in Picard was the feeling of Star Trek. Like, really, Picard, it should have been a no-brainer to have stuff recognisable to Star Trek. And... And they, it's many years in the future before anyone pulls out that one because that's what usually gets presented. But I, if I'm going back into a world I know with a guy who I know so well, I miss. That's what I'm going back there for. Is it's something recognisable to his character? His character changed. The world changed. The world we came from until you know you got the Rikers in it. Then it kind of did a little bit, but that was fleeting. Yeah, um, Discovery. I don't mind going to another time, but I still want that feeling of, of Star Trek in the future. Yeah, and again, if we have to build that up, that's fine. But really, the, the way the ships move and everything is very different, and the kind of space effects. Yeah, I wouldn't mind as getting a... heart strings, which is what I want from this show, really, especially at the moment. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, us I think getting... that's pretty fair. Is that that? Like, let's be honest. Uh, like a big part of Star Trek is the continuity of the Federation. Mm-hmm. That no matter what happens, 
the Federation will always be there to look after us at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why, like, I don't mind, like, Burnham in the future being responsible for bringing all the bits of the Federation back together. But I want bits of the Federation to still be there. I want it to be a continuation. If it's stopped for, like, uh, a few hundred years and it has to rebuild, that means it isn't, like, what I've always been sold that the Federation is throughout all of Star Trek is that it is something which can never be destroyed. Like, you know, Burnham said, oh, it's more than just an organization. Yeah. It's people, the spirit, and ideal. That's fine. But I also want the organization to have survived in some form because those people... Well, I think that we do get a hint of that. that the the organization has... We get a hint of that at the end anyway, that the organization has survived. Yeah, but yeah, it's massively reduced. I think it has, and I think what we're getting here is because we've not got easy access to warp drive, the distance is making a huge difference. And I think we don't know exactly where this planet is. I mean, Michael does ask, she says, what sector, what uh, quadrant, and we ne tellingly, we never get an answer to that within this episode. Um, so I think what we're seeing here is the outskirts, basically. I think... As we move close to, like, one of these episodes is called um, Terra Nova or something, and do, doesn't that literally mean Earth or something? You know, Terra's uh, Earth. You were. So, yeah, so I, I think we're going to move closer to the core of the the Federation. Yeah, like, and so I, well, I do think we're going to see that. There was part of one of the trailers that looks very much like the Visit Trill which yes. I'd say was a central Federation planet. Yeah, so I, I do think we're going to get that and we're going to see that the Federation, where it's, you know, in the middle of it, because um, we, we, there's six stars on that flag at the end, so presumably that's the four four main parts of the Federation, unless the Andorians have left, because they seem to be off doing their own thing in this episode. Yeah. Um, so, you know, presumably that's Earth, Vulcan, Andoria, and uh, Tellarite, so... And plus two other planets. So I presume that the Federation is still its own thing and within a reasonable distance, it probably still does exist. It's just that the exploratory yeah. arm will obviously have to have reduced because you can't go there and come back anymore, you know. Yeah, I think you might find that there's quite a number of planets out there that were part of the Federation that are still operating as if they're part of the Federation. Yeah, but they just but they don't... can't trade and communicate with each other in yeah. the same way. That's it. Is that that sort of connected? Yeah, maybe like when you do connect up with these other areas, you find there are pockets of Federation, like yeah. you know, they're, they're acting as if they are. And I think there's a wonderful message of hope there. Like when you get disconnected from people, you can still continue on the mission. I think there are... There are wonderful areas they could take this in, and I believe this is... I, I One thing I would never question about Discovery is they always do go for the hopeful, and they are wonderful that, but just, geez, it was a bad time to hear the Federation. Yeah, right now. but... And, but, um, but I, I think, I, you know, I do trust them. I love that last scene. Like, I, I don't mean to... I don't know where we're jumping next, but uh, just that last scene where you have the guy there, and he is just so kind of, like, uh, teary-eyed at finally someone entering his office. Yeah, he's... he's... I love yeah. the idea um, like, what could be more Star Trek than a guy who just comes there every day? It's like, just believes that the Federation, it does exist, it will exist. It, it, it believes that it's worth yeah. being there for, even on its own. Yeah, even and he's yeah. like carrying on the family tradition sort of thing, you know. It's 
he's not even a commissioned officer, but he's respecting yeah. the customs of it that much that, you know, to be fair, son, you could just replicate yourself a badge and call yourself an officer. No one's going to... But he won, you know, because he he's into that that level of it. it it's lovely, that last scene. And certainly no question from me that Burnham, he, she, at that time, certainly is the most senior officer about. She can give a field promotion to him. She can enlist him. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. she does. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I love that bit. I, I well, just thought like, that was so sweet. That guy, just that guy in that office was the embodiment of Star Trek in that moment. He was. And... He was like, that guy going there and just like, I mean, again, I think it meant all the more to me as well because we've been sort of starved of recognisable Star Trek through this episode. Again, not as a complaint, but as a kind of what they're going for. To have the last scene where you just like, yeah, I mean, I won't lie, I was crying a bit because it was just so... Yeah, cool. but, but he like... sums it up, doesn't he, that he wasn't actually Starfleet, but he believes in the Federation enough that he has spent his life manning that post. Yeah, I mean, uh, Nicola turned to me, she goes, you are it? I go, what are you, a Vulcan here? Come on! <laughs> she did feel it, but she didn't want to tear up a TV. I, I mentioned Nicola wasn't here because uh, what happened when she was out walking uh, Benny, they came across a, a dog which had just, like, had no markings on it. So um, uh, Danielle, uh, my stepdaughter, had to run out a harness and, and lead to her. And uh, much like that lost puppy, that guy was there in the Federation court, just waiting for Burnham to put a little lead on him. To be fair, this is, this is what Buck's actually doing, though, isn't he? He's gone out and rescued a, yeah. a lost uh, space space slug. <laughs> it's worth mentioning that not only gets back to something they did Star Trek for, but also I like the fact that uh, in the past, just because the way storytelling was done, they wouldn't have talked about nuts and bolts of conservation, like mentioning it in those terms. I like the fact that she brought up a term which is so recognizable to today. And of course, that would be part of what um, the Federation does is, uh, you know, conservation of species. And because they're not around, that gets ignored. Yeah, I mean... And yeah. we've even sort of had that in Discovery, haven't we? When they um, they came across the Gormagander in space and obviously it turned out it was a trap by Harry Mudd, but, like, Lorca was pissed off because the Environmental Act kicked in and he, he had to go and rescue it, you know? So, yeah, so yeah we, we have had this thing before. But, yeah, it's really... I like that about where they're going with, with Buck there. That he's... And he seems to have these magical powers as well. Um, which I presume yeah, we're going to explore got, a little bit more. I got the impression, because <coughs> you see um, something under his skin like up, so I think he's got implants to mm. allow him to talk to animals. Uh, it could oh, be. I thought it was an ability of his people, because that's yeah. the suggestion I got from when he was describing them. And I do also, again, I love the fact that, um, again, it's putting a bottom on how Star Trek he is, because, like, at the end of the episode, because they're saying most of my, uh, like, most of what I get from this is shame because of what my people usually do with this great gift i'm someone who lives up to it and like that's someone who kind of lives in a mission of hope and i think he's a way of maybe winning his people over to this kind of mission of star trek and i i just love that he, he seemed like a very star trek character yeah he bit. does and yeah. that's why i just liked it to have been tied in a bit more to who he sort of words on the on its head because when he goes to the market you sort of think what a git. <laughs> yeah though i think again once when you re-watch this episode like I don't think 
he thought Michael was going to honour her side of the deal and give him the tricorder. Um, you know, he was just expecting naturally that he would be betrayed by this new person that he's met. And when she actually gives it to him and she says, I wish you luck and everything, there's sort of a flicker of regret that he's like, oh, I've just set you up now to walk into this thing and I'm going to have to go through with it. But yeah. I didn't expect you were actually going to come through. And then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but I need all your shit. And the thing is, if he'd have said to Michael, I need all your stuff, she'd have probably given it to him. You know, maybe not a communicator because she thinks she needs that. But, um, and I think that's when there's kind of a turning point in how he perceives her. Um, just saying hi, I haven't watched yet. So avoiding for spoilers. Uh, yeah, yep, yeah, sorry if you've watched any of this. Um, yeah. Uh, hi, yeah, we, but... we, we did say earlier on spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Sure. It's the... quite spoiler heavy. This is major spoilers, yeah. So you can either watch this back or listen to it later in podcast form. Yeah, listen to it once you've watched it because, yeah, we're, we're pretty much. We've pretty much ruined everything now as we jumped around. So <laughs> what we haven't ruined already, we will do by the end. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I mean, the guy, he, I just think that, again, I thought it was a wonderful actor, wonderful kind of character, but just. I would like to him to just said something maybe when he does the flip of character, just going, I'm sorry I was so mistrustful earlier, just because of the conservation work I do. Yeah. I've got to be safeguarded. Just a little line acknowledging the change, because as it was, it just sounded like he was this guy, then he was guy. Yeah, yeah there yeah. needs to be a moment yeah, between... Yeah, quick flip-flop, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, I just wanted a line recognizing why he's acting so differently. Like a line, just him admitting that he was being a dick. Well, that's yeah. fine. That's what, you don't have to spend long on it. Just just a little something to make a little it's, jarring. Uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it is implicit there, but it's, it is very much just implied. That, like, I agree with you. There's not quite enough to to tip it like Michael just flips as well because she's there one moment and she's got this like the doper up and all this business and she dubs him in and yeah. then they go and then they just sort of wink at each that, other and they're fighting together and it's like that was a great where? scene though when she's doped up oh yeah yeah and she starts babbling yeah and, it was wow, great I've got a I've got a redhead friend. You can't give her this. And it I mean, shows what a great actress Sonequa Martin-Green is. And it shows how restrained the performances Michael Burnham is, generally. Yeah. And that's the Libricks. It's the Vulcan influence and everything. But it does put paid to any criticism that she gets for people saying, you know, she doesn't show enough range or whatever. She can. But the nature of the character requires that she doesn't for a lot of that. Yeah. It was also really nice with those those guards, the guys who were like in charge of the station, who kind of ran these people to do these jobs for them. I thought they were hilarious. I thought yeah, they, were they really were good. And the, you can tell they they've got the, there's a backstory to those two guys. Like they're kind of almost feels a bit like Demar and Wayun's relationship, where they're sort yeah. of needling at each other a little bit. Um, yeah, so the, there's all that business on the the uh the the settlement and it's beautifully realized like that is major motion picture effects that we're getting well, for this I've, I've, i thought a lot of this <laughs> episode looked very huge scale cinematic yeah it like, did the scenery and all that I'm, i don't know where the film uh, iceland is. Iceland. Iceland, yeah. yeah I saw a thing where they said um, it was David Ajala's first day on set and they took him to Iceland, chucked him in some water, threw him off a mountain and had him (laughs) getting beaten up. You know, and it's like, uh, welcome to the Star Trek universe. One I did want to pick up on, though, is when... um, Because 
again, I still get the vibes and everything. I get like uh, Burnham's in a strange kind of new world. Huh? But it's when she suddenly goes to him, it's like, look, you're my person here because we're here and you're here. And I know you don't want to be, but you're my person. I'm like, given who he's being at that time, do you think that is a reasonable thing to sort of expect of him or to even like with everything going on? I just. I think it's more of a, a desperation thing that it's. I think she's also under the effects of that drug still at the time. No, that's before that. That's before, yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're jumping about a bit. Cause that that's right at the beginning where she says, "I need someone to trust here," and uh, I know you might not want it to be you, but it is you. Yeah. And okay. I, I do. I do think it's a desperation thing. It's a, that I've literally got no one else in this world. But then, yeah, uh, like she's all, she's she can't find discovery, can she? She's not where she planned to be. Yeah, a uh, flying magic suits destroyed. So I can. I do. I guess it's given that he's the first person she meets, and that he's already said, "I do not want to hear your story. I don't even want." Yeah, to, yeah. No, I want nothing to do with you. She's going. So you're my person now. I I just I think she might pick the second person she met. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. It's. It's one of those things where I can kind of buy it in the moment because it's like you are literally the first person and you can get me to this settlement, so you're useful. But then it's like, oh, well, it's really convenient that he turns out to be this great conservationist guy who's probably going to end up as your love interest. So, you know... Yeah, it, and you've got all these things of, like, again, it's it's just these little things where I'd like a bit of... And most of it could be fixed by just a line here and there. Yeah, it but could. I, I don't go get. I would like her to be compelled to trust him as opposed to choosing to. Given that again, yes, she's roughly officer. She would have got the lay of the land. She would have got to know a few yeah. people before deciding who to trust. And she wouldn't just done first person to meet. I'm going to assume. Yeah, that yeah. If it. if the first person she met hadn't have been this handsome adventurer guy who's also a wonderful conservationist with magic powers that are in tune with nature. If it had been like a Ferengi going, ah, human, oh, you come with me, I show you. Would she have been busy mates with him? I don't know. Yeah, it, that is the thing. It's it's quite lucky that she meets this guy who's clearly going to be a season regular. It's a bit like... Yeah. Um, not to invoke another average film of recent years, but um, X-Men Apocalypse, where you get Apocalypse rises. I'm tying it in because he comes out of like a thousand year slumber or whatever. And he's like, I need my four mutant horsemen of the apocalypse. And it's literally the first four mutants he meets. Like, Psylocke, you'll do. Storm, you. Magneto, you. Think, go find four really hard mutants. You know, don't just go with first four that you find, son. And again, I do get the importance of not burning a lot of shoe leather and getting to where you're going, yeah. uh, you know, in a, in a show. But just, again, sometimes, like, a clever writer will do it in one line or one, you know, they'll just make it the situation so someone comes in so they don't have time to turn against each other. And, like, they're forced together as opposed yeah. to them. I would like it if they got to the end of the episode then decided they actually were supposed to, you know, there's no reason for <clears> them. And, really yeah, but by the end of the episode, you can see why these two would bond and why they are going to yeah. work together. But the moment for me is when they join together and they start fighting off the the guards and they met their escape together and to me the, I agree there's not enough motivation for Burnham to do that at that stage it's like he's just scummed her over and nicked all the stuff she gets it back 
I suppose because the other guys are saying, well, we're going to shoot both of them. I'll shoot her if I can't yeah. shoot him. So the enemy yeah. are my enemy kind of thing. But Yeah, that, that's why I thought that is. Because, like, you know, they just know in that moment they're both screwed if they don't work together. It's it's not to do with... Yeah. It's just in that moment they have to. But I agree, yeah. There, there could have been a little bit more there. And I'm sure we will get a, a bond built up between the two of them that we can buy. But, yeah, the, the meet-cute is a little bit too convenient in the first yeah. instance um what about the transporter that takes 30 seconds to recharge then how do we feel about that one uh, um personal transporters um now i thought that we had personal transporters in voyager we saw these and i can't recall them taking that long to re uh, recharge I don't remember the person transports in Voyager. Where yeah, it's in the one where Harry King gets thrown back to Earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, non-sequitur. We, we did cover it. Um, did. Yeah, non-sequitur. Non-sequitur. Well, that's how universe, though, wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah, but only a, on, only a little bit. <laughs> only, like, yeah. two months before Parallel Universe. But like, I, I just give you maybe it's possible that A, yeah, so Parallel Universe, B... I've, you can go with the idea that uh, even though it's in the future and the technology is going to be better, because the lack of federation, maybe the uh, resources aren't as plentiful. Well, yeah. I was thinking maybe power sources of power supplies, because we know that yeah. he obviously is wants trade Burnham's kit to get dilithium. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of the other substance that he can use for his slipstream drive. He mentioned tachyons. Trilithium. I says, don't even get me started on trilithium, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, there's obviously shortages of certain materials. Yeah. Which is obviously to do with them not being able to go to... Or the Federation being able to go to all these different planets. And another thing as well is... trade everything. One of the things they said was, well, we can't guarantee it won't happen again, so there will be an inherent risk now of having dilithium. It's like, yeah. Yeah. If you can find yeah. any, you can use it to take you somewhere, but the thing might blow up while you're mid... Well, I suppose it's like I, driving around in a car with um, something combustible I like petrol. I think that's basically because they don't know why it happened, so they can't say it won't happen again. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the other way they could go with this, is it could be a big ecological thing and we could tell an ecological story. Because they, they tried doing that with warp drive in, was it Force of Nature, the TNG episode, where they had warp speed limits and a load of rubbish? Yeah, um, so that didn't last. Maybe we're going to do that story better when we find out a bit more about the I, burn. I, I think what we're going to get, though, is certainly the... Um... So obviously, if you've got these little personal transporters that can just beam you from anywhere to anywhere, like you can carry them bound you, obviously they're going to have to put limitations on that on certain episodes so you don't overuse it. Mm -hmm. So like maybe resources and stuff will play into that, and maybe that's what they're building out. And also, I did love the little handguns, though, like the little kind of... Yeah, like, yeah I mean, they... I mean it did all for a really dynamic kind of scene of kind of them just hopping between locations. Yeah, it's cool. Personalised weapons, it's, yeah. And one of them, did you spot, was um, Morn, was whatever Morn's yeah. species is. Yeah. Now, I think they missed a trick there. I think they should have had him just, like, trash-talking them constantly and showing that Morn's species can actually speak and just having this or, guy go... Da -da 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 -da. Or is it that it's still Morn? He's just, like, still alive? No, he'd be at the bar still. <laughs> yeah, he'd still have a bar. He'd be sat at Quark's. Um, but yeah, it, uh, and he was like, well, no, he'd be on, uh, 
Oh, what is it from Picard, where his bar was? Oh, yeah, 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 on um, the Rag- casino Rag- planet. City. Yeah, that's the one, Stardust City. Um, yeah, I think we've we've kind of touched on just about everything in the episode then, haven't we? Apart from the giant worm, Molly, as he called her. Yeah. Oh, and the big cat, Which we've we- not even mentioned the big cat. Like, how, how upset were we that... When she found out what his cargo was, that it wasn't ice cream. Yeah, it should have been ice cream. It should have been Ben and Jerry's. I did like where her mind goes that. Yeah. It's temperature sensitive. And it's valuable. It's very valuable. It must be ice cream. Absolutely. Yeah, that is that is years at the Vulcan Science Academy teaches you something, how to identify yeah. ice cream. But I, I like to think that, that this was kind of like the right scale is like, right, we've got to have this stuff where she says stuff while she's this down the other's half and they're going right I'm on it ice cream well maybe yeah you've got to get a bit method haven't you to, if you're going to write a scene where your character's high then I think you're perfectly justified in obviously I would not ever know what that was like to be stoned but I'm imagining it was written by someone who, who knew what that felt like well, by that line Sorry, off topic for a minute, but I've been playing uh, Mario Sunshine, which is uh, just been re-released for the Nintendo Switch. They were on something when they made that game. Right, <laughs> I've just done a level. You've got to get up to this platform, so you need to get Yoshi. So there's a Yoshi egg, so you have to go find a particular fruit and feed it to Yoshi to, to make the egg into Yoshi. So that's fine so far. You then, there's these fish jumping up and down. You have to go vomit on the fish as Yoshi, and that makes the fish turn into a purple platform that moves back and forth. But you need a platform that goes up and down. So you need to go eat a grapefruit, which turns Yoshi pink, so that now when you pink vomit on a fish, it makes it into a platform that goes up and down. And I'm playing it thinking, what on earth was going on when they came up with this game? Sorry, James, what, what's strange about any of that? I, it seems all crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly dinosaurs, if they're purple, vomit on <laughs> fish and it makes them go left and right. And if they're pink, it makes it go up and down. I mean, it's fairly Pretty obvious. Sure that was covered Jurassic Park. And the, the thing is, I'm playing it and I had to Google it to find out how to do this level. And I'm thinking, I played this game when it first came out about 15 years ago, and somehow I knew to do this without Googling it. Like, what? <laughs> maybe, maybe I was, um, I was partaking maybe asked, of. You asked Jeeves at the time. Maybe so, yeah. Anyway, but uh, sorry, a digression. Um, so it's a good thing that the the um, worm thing didn't eat a grapefruit, because then it could Michael had turned into a platform that went up and down, and that wouldn't have been a good ending to the episode. Um, I think that just about covers the... I mean, we could talk about it all night, but... Um, Apart from uh, we had Grudge. Grudge the cat, yeah, big cat. Yeah, that was a massive cat. <laughs> yeah, very, very big cat. But you can, he, he clearly loves her very much. Like, when Greedo's taunting him, saying he's going to eat the cat, and he's like, she's a queen! Yeah. Bless him, he loves his cat. They're doing well with animal representation recently. Like, we've had number one, and now we've had grudge. So, we've had dogs and cats separately in yep. Star Trek now. So, we need need other household pets represented. I want a gerbil in there. I want the, the gribble from, um, from that New Frontier book I talked about the other week that's a cross between a tribble and a gerbil. 
I mean, maybe this explains why he ends up taking Burnham in in the end. He just likes picking up these strays. Yeah, he just picks up waifs and strays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you never yeah, know. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see... Well, it'll be interesting to see how it all develops. But, um, yeah, it took me the second watch to really get into the episodes. I think the first time I just wanted more information. I like, I want to know what the burn is. I want to know exactly what's going on with the Federation. I want to see all the Federation starships. I want to see the Discovery want, I, crew. I'm interested to see what the Federation starships look like now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I found I found Lodex hilarious and brilliant and wonderful, and yeah, we've discussed how that did its own thing. But I must admit, for me, like I said, it was like going into live action Trek again for the first time in a while. It was not seeing that much Star Trek again. I understand why, but like, just that that was that was why it took me two watches because the second watch I could appreciate it for what it was, and that we were going to get um, Trek bookending it with the kind of scenes with the guy in the office. Uh, but just yeah, I, I I really could do with some federation. I want to see those futuristic ships. Well, as we, haven't even seen, we haven't even seen Discovery yet. Yeah, I have a feeling. Make a difference as well. I have a feeling next week is going to be all on Discovery and then they find Michael and reunite right at the end. Yeah, that's my guess I think Michael's going to be waiting a while because in all the publicity material, we've seen Sonequa Martin-Green with that beautiful dreadlock look. And at the moment, she does not have really long hair. So either she goes to a barber's in the future and get space gets extensions. space extensions or Michael's waiting a long time for the rest of the crew to find them. I think I think they're using the long hair to portray that she's waiting some time for them to that's, arrive. That's my feeling as well. But we'll find yeah. out next week. I think next episode we probably have an episode, like you say, for for most of it we've just got the Discovery yeah. crew finding their way in this new world and then right at the end they discover her months after we've last yeah. seen her in this episode maybe settle down with the guy for you know not settle down as in no no she's found her niche in the new yeah. the new world yeah i think next episode starts with discovery going into the wormhole and we catch up with the rest of the crew and we see what's going on there yeah but we'll be back yeah. to talk about it next week anyway uh, maybe, and, maybe, just, maybe that's all I need is just having that one ship there, like just that as yeah. an anchor point to kind of what we know. Along well, with we haven't had our anchor. Discovery is the anchor point of this show. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah, we haven't had, and it's yeah, it, we haven't got, we haven't had any of our. Well, we've had Burnham, obviously, but we haven't had any of our regular no. rest of our crew. And that's the thing, even in the age of streaming, it's still quite a bold thing to do, is to have not just one episode, you know, any older... If they did one a one-off episode in the middle of the season where it was just one character, fair enough, but you, your premiere episode after over a year off the air... And is it that long? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we don't even see the rest of the crew. It's quite a bold thing to do, so we'll see... Yeah. I, I think that's why they are putting on there like part one. Like this is this is just the beginning of the story. You yeah. Get oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and it is doable think, in yeah. long form storytelling. But uh, for a season premiere, it's still a pretty a pretty out I mean, there move. But um, I, I think it's ballsy of them not to like. I think the kind of temptation would have been to release two episodes. Yeah. I I, I appreciate them pulling Taffy. I appreciate them even like even though I was 
less happy watching it the first time. I appreciate them doing that because Discovery Soul always done that for me so far. It's always given me a first episode where I'm like, oh, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure where they're going. Is this kind of really Star Trek? It doesn't feel like Star Trek. And they did that with both the other series to a degree. So kind of I'm I'm I trust them enough to do that now because yeah. you know, they and in terms of like dropping it weekly rather than all in one go like i've seen loads of sort of online communities saying i just want the whole thing i'm like i don't we've got a podcast to do you know we want it weekly we can't yeah, <laughs> if I, you get it all at I, once we we're out of a job i do like this weekly like i've watched so many shows over this this year and it doesn't matter how they were broadcast originally i've binged them because yeah what else has there been to do and it's very hard to remember them. But the shows like Discovery and Lower Decks, where I've watched them, I've ended up watching the episodes a couple of times, yeah. and then I have to wait a week. I can remember what's happened in all them. Like, some shows I'm thinking, well, have I watched it yet as a rewatch? <laughs> yeah, that's lockdown? true. Or not? Or you not do, you, like, you go... lockdown for that bloody long over here. You go like, oh, have you watched The Boys yet? Like... Is that the one with the monkey or the one with the evil Superman? I can't remember. You know, <laughs> I know which one it is. The boys came out on a like the drop. That did come out weekly. Sorry, bad example. Bad example. It's because I'm binge watching it now. So yeah. Yeah, I watched it weekly. But so, that again, they dropped the first three episodes at once. Yeah. It's like why? But no, I'm glad that we're getting it weekly. Um, so we will be back next week to talk about episode two. Before we go, though, any last thoughts on the premiere, Elliot? I I really enjoyed it. I think it looks, I think it looked bigger than Star Trek that we've seen before. Just the, how how it was shot, it just looks so yeah. cinematic. And the location does make a lot of difference. Actually, getting your actors out there and because. Iceland does look like an alien planet. That's a weird place, but you know. But yeah, it looked great. I think it's been it's been used for loads of stuff, hasn't it? Yeah, but it's used for loads of stuff for that exact reason. Yeah, Squee. Well, I think like uh, just I mean we've kind of said most of it, but like just give an award to that guy. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. The guy with the alarm clock uh, who comes up at the end. Give him all the awards in the world, like to do what he did with just so few lines he just tugged you your heartstrings it didn't hurt that we'd built up to this kind of throughout the whole episode yeah but also release the blueprints on that alarm clock me and elliot need to yeah know. we need to know how that yeah. works does it chirp all night does it not chirp can you teach it to say things like you can with real budgies <laughs> and, and damn you elliot that's all i'm going to be thinking about with this now is like oh, you... I, i'm quite content that it came up with the chirping and that's what woke you up now i'm like is the music real or is that music yeah. right? is it is it, <laughs> is it diegetic music or non-diegetic music yeah yeah um, I, will we I, be... I still think that it's their chirping all night next to him and then <clears> at 8am <throat> it starts playing some music and he put his hand through it and turned it off so Will we be able to buy holographic budgie alarm clocks for in time for Christmas? That's the question. CBS, you need to get on it. I'm also waiting for the uh, the latest uh, like little uh, curb in the QAnon theory to add the budgie alarm clock. The music's real. No, the music isn't. <laughs> well, I can't think of a finer note to end a podcast on than QAnon conspiracy theories. <laughs> So uh, if you enjoyed listening to us, you can find us where wherever you can find good podcasts. 
um, where you can get us on Twitter at RetrekPod. Oh, there we are. And where email RetrekPod at gmail.com or you can come and join us on Facebook. If you search for Retrek on Facebook, you'll find the group. We're all on there. Um, thank you for Dr. Squee for hosting us on your live stream. It's been great fun. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Squee. Yeah, I'd like not to be in this podcast, but we might have to talk about doing part two next week. Well, is it part two or not? That's the other question. Well, I, I'm happy to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. More than happy to do it. Um, but thanks for trekking with us this time, and we will see you next time on the retrek. Thank you. Bye bye. Space, final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before.